I'm full of nervous energy, so you're going to have to deal with that. <laughs> That's Eric Sure. He's very exuberant. He's having a lot of fun. He's on stage at Ignite Portland. I've always been a fan of storytelling shows and podcasts like The Moth and Risk, and I had this idea to start a storytelling show here of my own, um, a, a show about sex, as a matter of fact. Um, but I didn't know what to do and how to do it because I've never put on a live show before. That's not who I am or what I do. It's not how I saw myself. So I asked advice from some producers around town. I, I, I tried to ask my friends, would you go to a show if I did this sort of thing? I looked at shows in other cities. Um, it's important to know that none of this is actually getting the ball rolling. This isn't creating momentum. What actually got the ball rolling was when I got in touch with a theater and I said, can I reserve this date and here's some money and, uh, and, and, and that's when it's going to be. You're listening to the Weekly Portland Podcast. My name is Gregory Day. You're listening to the Weekly Portland Podcast at pdxpodcast.com. So today I talk with Eric and Reba about the Mystery Box show. It's all about sexy storytelling. Eric and Reba, nice to meet you. Nice to meet nice you. Nice to meet you. Yes. And the reason why I'm here is because you guys contacted me, and I'm really glad you did because I love I love what you do. Can you please explain to us briefly what that so is? So we are the producers. I'm a producer, and Reba is the executive producer of the Mystery Box Show. We're a, uh, a sex-themed storytelling show here in Portland, Oregon. Um, we feature um, real people who tell true stories from their lives. They're unscripted, they're unmemorized, but it is a curated show, so we do coach the stories. You coach them to make them sexier? Is that No. <laughs> <laughs> no, sometimes we have to tone down the sex, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's one of our secrets, is that the show is just great stories, that happened to be about sex. Yeah, we, we, we learned kind of early on that if people are just on stage talking about sex, while that's kind of interesting for a little bit, it's not really enough to hold people's attention for an entire evening. If you've never actually had toddler-age children before, one of the things you might not know about them is that sort of in addition to being the love of your life and um, the future... They are tiny, evil little bastards. <laughs> and throughout my entire kitchen, I am, like, trying to keep the peace. And I've had the worst day. And there is spaghetti on the wall, and there are peas on the floor. I'm pretty sure there's applesauce in my head. And I am just about to blow when my wife walks in the door from her day at work. And I'm just about to unleash a spewing of bitching to her when she walks up and leans in and kisses me in a way that just lingers for four or five seconds. And if you've never had toddlers before, you wouldn't necessarily know this, but when you have toddlers and you have a kiss that lasts for four or five seconds, that's your sex. That's... That's what keeps you going for a week or two, really. So 2012, this thing began. Yeah. And was it just like, oh, hey, let's just throw a few friends together, or hey, exactly. let's make a big deal out of this? <laughs> I started the show, I like to say that uh, I started the show by myself in 2012. Actually, I started with, uh, with a woman named um, uh, Carrie Grether, and we did it for a year, and then I met Reba, and Reba came along and made it a good show, is the way that uh, I 
I, I, I really show. conceptualize it. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd been in storytelling for a little bit. I'd gotten to tell some stories with uh, shows around town. Um, and I've been listening to podcasts and The Moth, and uh, I got to work with Backbends. And I've always been interested in sex and sexuality. So I thought, I just want to go see the show where all the stories are about sex. I figured that there already must be one, but I couldn't find one. So I started one. <laughs> I mean, how could there not be? This is Portland, after all. Look at the per capita strip clubs that we're so proud of telling everybody about. Reba came along and added the vision. Reba knows how to put on a show. Her background is in theater. Her background is in performance and speaking. And my background was in being an audience member. I'm constantly thinking about the audience. Actually, I probably think about the audience sometimes more than the actual storytellers. Um, how the audience is feeling, what the audience wants. Are they offended? Or do they feel included? Um, that's something that's very important to us is inclusion and being able to, um, we want your grandmother to be able to come to the show and feel comfortable. Really? Yes. <laughs> Greg, your particular grandmother, we want her to come to the show. Can yeah. you put us in touch? So, so although, um, you know, we do talk about sex and sexuality and we're really careful um, to coach gratuity, gratuitous, gratuitous sex out of the stories. Um, so it's basically just what has, what has actually happened and the necessary elements to make the story there, but doing it in a way so that um, some in the, in the audience doesn't feel embarrassed. We opened our show uh, here on April 26th of 2012, the Mystery Box show, and I, I, I honestly don't know how it happened other than momentum, but it's been amazing, and since then, the momentum has carried us forward almost two years later. We've had 47 storytellers. We've done shows here in Portland. We've done shows in San Francisco, and I wouldn't have any idea of how to get to this point if I thought of this at the beginning, so it's important to recognize that nobody starts finished. We started off with five storytellers. I'm so pleased at how that timing worked out. Um, <laughs> um, that's, that, that's where we started. And, that's, and, and, and once that was done, the show just moved forward from there. Um, so you might have all of these ideas. You might have like dozens of ideas and say, like, I want to get started on this and this and this, and I don't know which one to do because I can't do them all at once. And I think it's important just to pick one. Um, just pick one and start moving forward. I'll give you an example for, with our storytelling show. After that was a success, I thought, well, I'll start a podcast. I'll collect stories from around the country. I recorded them myself. Um, I, I, I did the intros. I did the editing. I did the uploading. I, I put all the work into it, and... I hated it. I didn't like doing it at all, which means that after 18 episodes, I was done doing the podcast. And it felt a little bit like a failure. But here's the important thing to note, is that when you fail at something, it doesn't mean that like you, it, it was a waste of time or you shouldn't have done it at all. It just means that you weren't interested in doing it enough in the first place. Having a podcast was a good idea for me. I, I'm sorry, it was a good idea, but just not, not for me. So recognize that if you do something and you fail at it, it just comes from a lack of passion because we often do things that we think we're supposed to do um, instead of the things we really want to do. So find what you really want to do. Um, keep on trying things. And, and, and when, that, when that thing that you dig really hits you, you'll know it. Um, remember these four things. No one starts finished. Determine what's going to get the ball rolling. Create accountability between yourself and somebody else. And if you fail, remember that, that, that that's, take that to heart. 
forgive yourself and, uh, and, and start on the next project, find what you love. Uh, you might be up here on stage talking about it at Ignite Portland another time. Thanks so much. I honestly think from the older folks that I personally know who've attended the show, including my own mother, feel that, um, do feel that inclusion. And I've heard them say things like, thank you for recognizing that I still have sex or that I have a sex life or that I am a sexual being. They do. I mean, uh, older folks are very sexually active. Right. But either, but I think there's some sort of shame associated with that, um, well, yeah, you know, you hear about it from medical practitioners a lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people are continuing to have sex in later life, and maybe this helps shed a light on that or at least make them feel more comfortable. Right, I think it helps normalize it, too. Yeah, and that's, I think, what we found a lot from our audience is they, they identify with the stories on stage so much because when something isn't talked about a lot, it's easy to feel like your experiences are yours alone and nobody else could possibly understand them. And then when you go to the show and you hear somebody on stage basically telling a story that relates to, to your own circumstances and you go like, oh, I'm, I'm not the only one that has done that or has felt that way, it, 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 it starts to bring people out. What's interesting to me is, like, where do these people come from? Do they, do they contact you? Is it just sort of... Uh... I mean, how does the show happen? <laughs> Good question. So as Eric mentioned earlier, um, it used to be really hard to get storytellers because we found this <laughs> early too. People love to come here and watch about sex, but they don't like to share about it. At least they didn't um, in the beginning when we were a lot smaller. So we did a lot of reaching out to people in just different communities. Since I know a lot of people in the acting community, I would reach out that way. Um, and Eric's just constantly online I'm, I'm reaching Searching out to anybody. Organizations, who's... you know, we, we'd go to the Q Center and say, hey, you got anybody? We'd go to, um, where did we go? I feel like we went. Um, you know, we, we would hear about uh, sex positive groups in town. We'd go to speak there and say, like, hey, um, uh, uh, oh, what's, what's, what's the group called? Um, the Portland Leather Alliance. Um, we went to say, like, hey, all, all you leather folks, um, if you have any stories, we have this venue, we have this event, and it's a place to share, and you can, you know, educate people about what you do. Um, I should be careful. Reba said that we don't do lectures, which is true, but educate through your own experiences. Hey, I'm a leather person. Here's what that means, and here's something that my leather interest got me into one time. Because um, yeah. for, for people, I feel like me, who don't know too much about that, that stuff, you're in the audience, and you're like, wow, this is a thing that people do in the world? Cool, I had no idea. Yeah. So we did a lot in the first two, I'd say the first two and a half years was a lot of scrambling um, because there's five storytellers per show and the show's every other month. And there's coaching that goes on in between. That's usually two meetings or sometimes three per, you know, coaching sessions per story. So that's a lot of schedule maintaining uh, and creating Um, and sometimes we wouldn't have a storyteller like our fifth storyteller until a week before the show started Um, and sometimes for whatever reason this hasn't happened in a really long time knock on wood but um, a couple days before the show somebody would drop out and then oh, I know to... how it is. I know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'd be scrambling like, oh, shit, where are we going to find a person who's going to tell a sex story that's amazing in two days? Um, so a lot of scrambling. And as we grew, uh, we started out at the Brody Theater, um, a little less than 100-person capacity there. And um, we grew to Mississippi Studios, which is 
a little bit larger, so more people became aware of us as they were able to. And I think around like the two and a half year mark, people started actively contacting us and saying, I've been to your show, how do I pitch a story? Um, or their friend was on the show and they want to, how do I pitch a story? Or um, And just the bigger we got, now we're at the Alberta Rose Theater, um, which has a, the biggest audience we've ever had. And we seem to be a little bit more of a, I don't want to say a household name, that's probably not accurate at all. <laughs> but uh, um, but pe- people are more aware of us. And so they'll see the show and think, oh, I can do this. Or um, they'll run across the videos online and they'll say, oh, uh, this, this seems cool. I, w- I want to do this. And we still do a fair amount of reaching out to people, um, people who we know we've seen on stage and who have good stage presence and say, would you be interested in being a little bit vulnerable about your sex life on stage? But I think now the us reaching out to certain people is like the icing on the cake because that's just ooh interesting people that we would love to have on the show. Yeah. Um, but we have enough people pitching stories now that we're able to book sh- several shows in advance, which is amazing. And yeah. you get a lot out of it too, even though you know all these stories back and forth before the people get on stage. I was like actually, defeat off the audience, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I was actually saying to somebody the other day that most of my sex education as an adult has come from hearing the stories in this show. Isn't that great? And you're producing it. Isn't that great? Yeah. Um, but also, one of the things I always say, one of the reasons I love live storytelling or live performance as opposed to um, film, for instance, um, is that exchange of energy between who's on stage and who's in the audience because there's definitely like an energy conversation I like to call it and so that feed you're talking about that adrenaline that's happening is a direct result of how the audience is reacting to you I love seeing people get together I, I even even more than collecting my own friend circle I, I, I love that what we do have you done that? Have you connected couples? Gosh, have we connected? Co- I think some people have hooked up from. I think we have connected. <laughs> I think we've connected hookups. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know about long-term relationships, but there have been people who've met and then uh, gone to their own private places together. And sometimes it's audience members too, because we have regular really? people who come and they see each other, oh, they meet wow. each other there. Another reason to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, yeah, actually, along those lines, we just started something that I'm really excited about um, called Continuing the Conversation. And so um, we have a VIP option for our show, and that has always included you know, front and center seating and then a whole bunch of gifts from our really cool sponsors. And we still have that going on, but now we've added um, a gathering in the green room after the show for VIPs to talk to each other and also to talk to the storytellers and Eric and myself and have a glass of wine and continue the conversation about what they just saw on stage. If you wanted to ask more questions, ask questions at all to the storyteller, you can. Have you ever heard that? Um, I think it was a, some philosopher said that who you are in bed is who you are, your true self. Have you ever heard that quote? I've heard that before. Yeah. I have not heard that. Is that, do you think that's true? Uh, it's your animal it's your animal <laughs> self <laughs> did I touch a nerve I don't know thank you Reba and Eric and make sure to watch the mystery box show at the Alberta Rose Theatre we'll be back next Monday see you then